Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Inspiration, insights, and ideas for your business and your journey. Hi, and welcome to Boost Power Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Wiersma. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. So invested into hearing stories of amazing women and kind of look and see, you know, what do they have to tell you for your own life journey? Dr. Janine Davidson's in the house today. She is everything like talk about a rock star. Oh my gosh, she's been a pilot. She has taught at major universities and she was undersecretary of the Navy, give it up in the Obama administration. And besides all that, she's a women who rock winner in Denver, Colorado. Janine, welcome to the show. Thanks for, me. Thanks for everything you're doing, Betsy. Super cool to be here. Well, it's funny. Um, I'm reading all your accolades from everything in the world and your global impact and your thought leadership. And I'm like, and now she can add, she's a women who rock. So, um, and that's an award for those of you listening that the Camp Experience Network of Women on Purpose for Good in Colorado gives every year to women who just are out doing it and doing it with style and just um, making a difference without looking for the headlines and just, you know, in the trenches. And so, Janine, we welcome you to that uh, sisterhood of winners. Um, so, you know, people, I always say, this is the story behind the story, right? Because as a, a university president, people make up stuff. Like, oh, that was so easy for her. She just had this primrose path and it was not a lot of work and blah. And, and I'm just like always de- debunk those rumors. So I, but I want to go back a little bit to um, when you were growing up, like what kind of made you believe in yourself to take a path of heading to the Navy and military service and, and being a pilot? So go back a little bit and tell us. Wow. Well, I think the whole dream. I mean, nobody ever told me I couldn't do anything. I mean, I think that's really important. I mean, we grew up in America. You could do whatever you want. Yay. Um, My dad was in the Navy and we grew up on these, uh, well, I spent some time on this Navy base in in Virginia, Oceana, and they had all these fighter planes and they would fly over us all the time. This is like, you know, early, late seventies, early eighties. We literally could ride our bicycles like right up on the flight line. You'd never be allowed to do that today. We'd like knock on the door to the tower and they would let us up there and they would let us like talk on the radio to the pilots and say things like cleared to land, you know? Wow. (laughs) Super cool. So I just always thought it never, I never noticed that none of the pilots were women. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, fast forward to, um, you know, when I was a senior in high school and I was applying for a Navy ROTC scholarship and I, 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 the interviewer asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, fly F-14s off of aircraft carriers, of course. And he said, you can't do that. They oh. don't let me do that. And they're like, never knew, you know, and my yeah. dad, who was Navy, you know, he was not a pilot, but he was a Navy officer. He never told me that. <laughs> and I, I went out after the meeting and I said, dad, you know, it's like a pretty important piece of information that would have been helpful. not really excuse me but you know that point is like just completely clueless I guess is the answer to your question why did I think I could do it because I was clueless and so I my dad said well you should apply for air force because they have cargo planes and they might let you fly those which they did so that's the short version of the, of the ridiculous story. Well, yeah and then so and this is what I don't know although I have had some incredible experiences with military around the world because 
I was giving a speech and someone in the back of the room said, can you do this for us in Europe at a military base in the army? And I'm like, you know, young and on the road and just writing my first book. And I'm like, yeah, I could do this in Germany. So next thing I know, I'm in Heidelberg. Next thing I know, I'm doing this tour of the entire world with the army, going to bases for special events. Little me, like girl in Indianapolis, Indiana, ends up on 20 bases from Guam, all over the world. I have coins, all this for the army. Then I get invested kind of in the Air Force, and I start doing all these things for the Air Force. So I got to do all that in 20 countries, including having a TV show from Wright Pat called Wow Works, where I broadcast it to every base in the world. So I have this huge love of military and military families. Yeah. So I really empathize with that. But tell everybody listening, like, do you go to college and then you get trained? Like, how does that work? Because again, what this podcast is about is people hearing their opportunity in your story. And many people might be going, wait a minute, that that could be kind of cool. Yeah, there's there's three different ways for the military in the military path. You could go to the Air Force Academy or the Naval Academy or the West Point and um, they pay for everything. I mean, it's complete full ride. Now, you have to like do boot campy kind of stuff too, but it's a real college. I mean, it's seriously high ranked college. Um, I didn't do that. I went to the University of Colorado Boulder on an Air Force ROTC scholarship. So they paid tuition, books and fees, which was a pretty good deal. Yeah. And then in exchange, I was supposed to, I would owe them four years, but as a pilot, I owed them eight years, which is a lot. Seems like a lot back then. Doesn't seem like as much now that I'm a certain age. Um, the third way you can do it is go to college and then say, oh my gosh, I think I want to be a pilot. And then you apply and they will send you to um, officer candidate school, which is an abbreviated version of um, military training. And then if you qualify, you go to pilot training. Okay. So academy, ROTC, or figured out later. Um, there are age limits though. I think it used to be 27. I think that's older now. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. So, so you find yourself at age 25. I saw a picture from your TEDx talk a year ago, flying a C-130. So just tell people what that is. So they kind of get the magnitude of this, you know, hot young pilot kind of in it. Well, the, the C-130 is like the Jeep of the military. Every, you know, every country has them. They're big four engine propeller planes. They land in the jungle, you know, airfields. They drop paratroopers. Um, I always meet army guys and they'll go, I jumped out of your airplane, you know? You're like, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, but that was the first plane I flew. And I was the first woman actually that they let fly the tactical C-130. And the reason they weren't letting women fly those was because, part of the mission is to sort of go low level behind enemy lines and drop troops. So that was a barrier that got eliminated in the early nineties. And then later I flew the C-17, which is a a bigger, like twice the size of that plane. Um, Another cargo plane, four engines jet though. So that, that would be like the luxury SUV. Okay. You moved up a little bit. Move on up. (laughs) Right. So you did that. And then did you just do your eight years and then kind of take everybody how you kind of got into higher ed and, and, you know, toward the path that you're heading to now? Sure. So I I was in the Air Force. I had three assignments. I did C-130 in Japan, which was awesome. And then I was an instructor at the Air Force Academy right here in Colorado. And I I taught, I was kind of like a driver's ed teacher in the sky. That was actually a pretty cool job. I mean, it was all aerobatics and things like that. And then I did the C-17 in, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and that flew in the Middle East and Europe and those kinds of things. 
um, I got married around that time. And okay. my ex, who's now my ex-husband, was an assistant soccer coach at the University of South Carolina. So, um, and I never planned to make a full career in the military. So I did my nine years, actually, got out and went to graduate school in um, at University of South Carolina. And that's an interesting piece, I think, now in my job now, which we can talk about later. But um, I mean, I because I had an Air Force scholarship, I was required to study engineering, which I didn't really love, <laughs> which is reflected in my GPA, by the way. <laughs> there you go. My lack of enthusiasm. Yes. <laughs> but but I went back and I wanted to study what I really wanted to do, which was international relations, U.S. foreign policy. And I had no idea what I would do with that. My dad kept saying, what are you going to do with a degree like that? Why don't you just stay in the Air Force? And I mean, the answer was, I just didn't know. I just wanted to follow my passion. So there's, there's a lesson there. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I, I do think that you're much likely to be successful if you're doing something you love. Right. Right. And so you're, in you're in grad school, you're doing that. Okay, so then take us to how the heck did a nice girl like you end up as undersecretary for the Navy? Like, okay, oh, right. tomorrow you'll go to Washington to be the second highest person in the world. Okay, let's go. That's crazy, right? I know. I I just I remember I'd be on these C1 C17 flights and I'd be reading, you know, like the Economist or Foreign Affairs, and my colleagues would be reading, you know, Sports Illustrated or whatever. And I, edition. Yeah. And I would think, you know, who are these people that get to make these policies and do this, you know? And then I ended up being one. How um, I think the biggest door opener was um, while I was in graduate school, I applied for a um, PhD dissertation, you know, pre-doctoral fellowship at a think tank in Washington, which I thought I was a real long shot for, frankly, because they really, it's all Ivy League types. And I was a public school girl, right? Um, but I got it. And that was the huge door opener. Well, also was about the time I was getting divorced. So I just was, it was this big, another one of these, I was jumping without a net, you know, divorced, no job, graduate school. Um, the war had just was about to start. It was, you know, by the time I moved to, you know, uh, Washington, it was 2003. So I'd been in grad school for like seven years or six years or whatever. Five a lot. A grad yeah. school a lot. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but that was a big door opener to, to go up there and, and to get involved in that community. People that I'm still in touch with today that became, you know, my bosses and my colleagues as we went in and out of think tanks and then the, the, um, the Pentagon. But yeah, timing is a big part of that to get those political appointments is a big deal. Wow. Well, I know you're all sitting on the edges of your seat like, that sounds really cool. <laughs> wow. Pilot, Washington, Obama administration, rock star. Uh, you're listening to Boost Power Podcast. We will be right back. You are listening to Boost Power Podcast with your host, Betsy Weersma. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Enjoy these true stories and proven business tips for your business and your life. Now, back to Boost. And we're back. Uh, okay, so I know there's many people in our Camp Experience audience that got a whole girl crush on 
Dr. Janine Davidson after she spoke because she's just us. She's just us who kept doing what she was doing with passion and purpose. And we all, I don't know, I had a practice marriage. Amen. Sometimes that's the catapult um, to the next thing. So we're in Washington and you get tapped by President Obama to be the undersecretary of the Navy. So tell the regular folks around us, like, what does that mean? Uh, You know, how is a woman... And why do they call it under? Because that seems kind of weird. But um, tell us what undersecretary means. Sure. Well, I mean, it, it is kind of a mystery how you get appointed for these jobs. And I think at the end of the day, it's about, you know, being with your tribe and the people that you, you know, we were working on, a lot of us working in the academic sector, trying to help the government unfarkle the war. <laughs> basically. And in doing that, getting to know a lot of these people so that when Obama got elected, I was asked to serve on his transition team. Um, They call them landing teams now, and they're people that go into the various agencies. So, you know, whether whatever your deal is, health, education, and I was Pentagon. And so I was a a professor at George Mason University at the time. And so, you know, I was just going to do that as a volunteer gig because it sounded cool for two months. And then I did it and they asked me to serve as the deputy assistant secretary for war plans, which is a different job, which was really cool. Um, things I can't talk about, but just say we have plans for everything. And they'll never but yeah, it was a really amazing job. Um, all the, all the plans in the world, very contingency planning oriented. I, you know, worked with all the admirals and generals and And then I went back to academia and never thought I would go back into government when the White House literally, I mean, called me out of the blue and said, hey, you know, would you like to be undersecretary of the Navy? And I said, well, actually, they said, do you want to be undersecretary of the Air Force? And I said, no, I'd rather be undersecretary of the Navy, (laughs) you know, because I missed that chance the first time around. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's how it happened. So you get nominated and the undersecretary job is the number two job. In the, in the Navy. So the Navy, the Department of the Navy is um, the Navy and Marine Corps. Nice. So there's, the president appoints a secretary of, the, of defense, and then he or she appoints a secretary of each service, Army, Navy, Air Force, and the undersecretary is the number two. So think of it like the COO. Yeah. So the secretary of the Navy was out, you know, he traveled a lot, he'd be international, and I'd be, you know, in the Pentagon with my art, you know, my you know, with the generals and admirals and really working on budgets and legislative things and education yeah. and things like that. Oh, well, amazing. Well, we have to do 10 different podcasts in the life of Shinny Davidson and then, and that like, people are like, this should be a mini series. Oh my gosh, the Washington days then, and then. So anyway, we will come back to that, but then let's talk about what what we're here to talk about because MSU Denver in Colorado has been a presenting sponsor of our Camp Experience Network. And it was such a fit because we are about education, inspiration, and connections. And I have never met anyone, any public institution more on brand than you guys. So talk about, so after those days, we'll just say after those days, that's how we'll end that one. Um, You uh, found a a way to take your passion, purpose, and experience, and Colorado is so thankful you chose us. So tell us a little bit about MSU Denver and kind of some of the vision that you've got here. That's my favorite topic. So thank you. Um, and I think my, my marketing team would be happy that you tell us that we're on brand. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, what people, you know, I remember MSU Denver when I was in college in Boulder and it wasn't MSU Denver. It was, remember, it was little Metro State College. It was big in terms of how many students, but 
not what it is today. And so, you know, when I saw this job advertisement, I thought, Metro, what? You know, but man, I came out here for the interview. And like a lot of people do when they get introduced to MSU Denver, they just get sucked right in. Because not just the mission, which is by law, but the people that work there, they're so passionate and they're so dedicated to the students. It just kind of just came out, whether it's the trustees, the faculty, the staff, it's just totally I remember texting back to my team saying, there's something happening out here. Mm-hmm. You just feel it, you know? And, I'll, and what happens at MSU Denver is, you know, it's a uh, access institution, which means by law, but really it's by passion and by purpose. Anybody can come here. And I think that's so super important because, you know, you read U.S. News and World Report and all this drama and stress over college, And, you know, let's say you get a bad grade in seventh grade, you know, I mean, it ripples forever. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's not what America's about, right? It's supposed to be the American dream. So maybe you had a bad year, maybe you had a family crisis, maybe whatever, maybe you just grew up poor, which is like 40% of our students. Maybe your parents never went to college, which is 56% of our students. And so you just never thought about it. And so you didn't like do every little thing you were supposed to do and didn't get somebody to pay for those Gucci SAT prep courses. You know, you're just not there. So what? You could come to MSU Denver and totally soar. I mean, it's totally amazing watching these students come in and um, some of them are less prepared, but we're there for them. That's what we do. And then even if they're behind, the ketchup doesn't matter. We've had Rhodes Scholars come out of MSU Denver. You know, we have people are always surprised to learn that we have the third highest salaries of people that graduate after five years, which is actually saying something if you understand that we also graduate like the most social workers and teachers, which drag that data down. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, so young. He's doing pretty well, and it's probably our accountants and our engineers um, because we have tons of them too, and they do great. So that's what really is so amazing about the university. Um, Well, and I've learned so much just hanging around with you guys, but I want you to talk about this whole imagine possibilities theme that you brought to the campus, because um, what I love the best is I went to the traditional, you graduate from high school. I went to Purdue university because I had to go to a state school. That was the budget. It was probably, what, $3,500 a year, which I worked to pay for my own college. Of course, I did and did a part-time job. I mean, that's what you did, right? And you were slammed into a four-year plan. Well, I had a little hiccup when I got in a tragic snowmobile accident at the end of my senior year and my friend was killed. And they pretty much thought I was dead. So uh, the traditional four-year plan was a little upside down when I was in intensive care for 21 days. But my dad said, I don't have any more money for you for college. You have to figure out how to graduate even in bandages, no uh, virtual. So I had a cane, bandages over my head, and still had to figure out how to pass my last classes because our family was poor enough that that's what we had budgeted, and I had a sister right behind me, and there was no more money in that till, and you had to do four a year. So I love, um, I want to just talk about, like, 
the way that people can get educated for the skills they need in the time they need it, whether they're working, commuting, you know, um, with things like your skills lab and your whole, you know, classroom to career. Um, so talk a little bit. I'm like, I'm your marketing girl. Talk yeah. a little bit about the good stuff. Yeah. No, let me, let's talk about that because I think this is a really important thing. And one of the things I talked about at the um, camp experience was the, the numbers that you just talked about. Back when we went to college, you could work in the summer and make enough money to pay for your tuition and fees. Um, now, and, you know, it was like 800 bucks or something like that. Now in today's dollars, it's about over across the country, more like 10,500. You just can't work enough minimum wage hours to do that on a part-time basis. And when you really start to run the numbers, which I won't bore you with, but it's pretty easy to figure out how many hours in the day, weeks in the year, blah, blah, blah. You can't do it. And so unless you're taking out loans or your parents are paying, you're going to have to work and that you're not going to get finished in four years. But we keep telling people it's a quote four year, they even call us a four year school. And I'm like, it's not really a four year school when the average, you know, takes people like six years and that, you know, that's okay because actually <laughs> LinkedIn has done all this data, all this research and they said that 61% of entry-level jobs require three years experience, which is a joke. It doesn't even define an entry-level job then, does it? If you have to have three years experience, how are you going to do that? So MSU Denver really, we're not the only people that are doing this, but I think in Colorado, definitely um, the way we think about it. Um, we always say we're the place for people with zigzaggy lives like you. Had a snowmobile accident, that's a zig, <laughs> maybe a zag. <laughs> And um, come in, come out, whatever. But if you think about it, if you have to work while you're going to school, if you manage to get work that aligns with your expertise and your path, then maybe it'll take you a little bit longer, go a little bit slower, take a little bit fewer classes, but work along the way. So you graduate not in four years, but you graduate in six years with less debt and job experience. I just think that's a more compelling model. And when I explain it to the students, I just see their shoulders just relax. Like they, we just are putting so much pressure on these young people today. And when I tell them, you know, do you, we know the math doesn't work. They're like, I know it doesn't. You know? Hey, you heard me. Yeah. So that's why we started the Classroom to Career Hub and the Skills Lab. So the Classroom to Career Hub is really focused on my vision and we'll get there. <laughs> we're raising money for it and everything else, but we'll get there is that everybody that comes to MSU Denver will have um, a paid internship, some sort of experiential learning. We know that if you have an, if you're working, if you have an internship or an apprenticeship or even a travel abroad programs, something we call experiential learning, you are exponentially more likely to graduate. Um, and that's a big deal because so many students just get burned out with all the pressures of life and having to work that they give up on their dreams. And we don't want that to happen. We want them to be able to imagine what's possible. There you <laughs> go. Imagine what's possible. Uh, you know, and I uh, interviewed Terry Bauer with the skills lab, which is just awesome, especially for so many women in the camp experience network, which are 35, 64 successful in their life. Now they are, kids are grown up. They've had a career. They kind of want to look around they want a next. They're not done. You know, they have so much to give, whether they get a degree or not. It's so nice that we have so many resources at MSU Denver that, you know, I've already, I'm already eyeing the uh, 
jewelry classes so I can finally learn how to solder with that nice young girl, Kaylee Wilcox. And, you know, I think just getting the word out that we're not done, you know, like everybody can learn something. Mm-hmm. And some for you, it's a sommelier. Maybe you want to go back and learn about wine and you have those classes and um, talk about. You pointed that out because, you know, I do think that's always been an issue for women that, you know, they take a pause in their career for kids. They put their husband's career first. They downshift into second gear. And then it often, it gets so hard for them to shift back up. And so one of the things that's so great about MSU Denver and also with military veterans you're not the oldest kid in the class. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. You want to go back to college and you have all these 19 year olds and you're 30, you know, that at MSC Denver, you have that diversity of age and experience that just is normal. And I think, um, I think it really helps people's sense of belonging and allows them to really dig in and finish. Yeah. I know my husband has taught classes in the special event program. One of his friends is one of your professors. So you're very relevant because you have really uh, people in the industries on campus, you know, really educating and inspiring, not in the textbook of the day when we were there, where you opened some book, you know, and you never met the person doing the job, you know, you read about the job. So uh, that is just so inspiring. Well, we could go on forever, but just such a shout out though. I want to say a shout out to your team because Every person from Katia Campbell in the dialogue series and from, you know, Christian Hardegree in the hospitality school with the hands-on learning and Christine Marquez Hudson and the way she's involving alumni and, and really, you know, just keeping them as part of the family. Um, you have got an amazing team and, and a call out to Tim Carroll, who's a man, but he's great too, even though he's a man. Um, you know, I t- t- tend to be a girl power thing, but, um, Tim got, got an honorary camp hat with a flower on it because, you know, he's kind of been part of home team. So um, I just want to thank you on behalf of the world that you took your fighter pilot ability and you're flying high with MSU Denver here in Colorado. So tell everyone listening how they contact the university, um, you know, how they get a hold of more information. Sure. Um, well, you can reach me through the website at msudenver.edu. Uh, you can even flip through to the president's page. I have an idea catcher and contact me here on that. I'm also fairly active on Twitter and I have a Facebook account. So you can also get me there. And um, yeah, come to campus. We're we're open. We are giving tours, even though there's COVID. We're doing their, their smaller numbers of people, but come on and see us. Yeah, well, I can just uh, speak from my own experiences. When you get on campus and you just get a feel. I interviewed a couple students on the podcast, and I had hope for humanity just by meeting them. They were on fire for their sport, and even though because of COVID, they couldn't do it exactly right, they were still going to do it to their best, and they were doing internships and volunteering, and I just left there so filled up because I'm not around 20-somethings much, and just to meet them, and that wasn't an act. They weren't like, they didn't know me. I'm not their professor. I'm not, you know, I'm just this weird woman with a recorder um, asking them questions. And it really just, it just showed me that everything is possible. And with the right environment, uh, all of us, no matter who, and the right uh, opportunity can just thrive and make this world a better place. And you're such a big part of that. So thank you all for listening to Boost Power Podcast. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And there's no accidents. If you heard today's podcast with Dr. Janine Davidson, there's something in here for you. There's a nugget. 
there's something for you to know. Maybe it's a go back to school. Maybe it's a trust your dreams. Maybe it's a break through a barrier. Maybe it's a nice girl like that could be tapped to be like the number two person in the whole Navy. So what is it for you, right? It's out there and you can do it. Please share this podcast with others who can benefit from our uplifting energies and ideas. Subscribe on your favorite podcast service. We have tons of positive energy just for you. This is your host, Betsy Weersma. Thank you for listening to Boost Power Podcast and plugging into stories from the journey of business and life. Our music today is by singer-songwriter Megan Burt. We are recorded at Cinder Sound Studios, and we're part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Learn more at globalsisterhoodpodcastnetwork.com.